Chapter fifteen of part two of elective affinities. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Elective affinities, part two by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Chapter fifteen. Friends and relations, and all persons living in the same house together, are apt, when life is going smoothly and peacefully with them, to make what they are doing, or what they are going to do, even more than is right or necessary, a subject of constant conversation. They talk to each other of their plans and their occupations, and, without exactly taking one another's advice, consider and discuss together the entire progress of their lives. But this is far from being the case in serious moments. Just when it would seem men most require the assistance and support of others, they all draw singly within themselves every one to act for himself, every one to work in his own fashion. They conceal from one another the particular means which they employ, and only the result, the object, the thing which they realise, is again made common property. After so many strange and unfortunate incidents, a sort of silent seriousness had passed over the two ladies, which showed itself in a sweet mutual effort to spare each other's feelings. The child had been buried privately in the chapel. It rested there as the first offering to a destiny full of ominous foreshadowings. Charlotte, as soon as ever she could, turned back to life and occupation, and here she first found Ottilie standing in need of her assistance. She occupied herself almost entirely with her, without letting it be observed. She knew how deeply the noble girl loved Edward. She had discovered, by degrees, the scene which had preceded the accident, and had gathered every circumstance of it, partly from Ottilie herself, partly from the letters of the Major. Ottilie, on her side, made Charlotte's immediate life much more easy for her. She was open and even talkative, but she never spoke of the present, or of what had lately passed. She had been a close and thoughtful observer, she knew much, and now it all came to the surface. She entertained, she amused Charlotte, and the latter still nourished a hope in secret to see her married to Edward after all. But something very different was passing in Ottilie. She had disclosed the secret of the course of her life to her friend, and she showed no more of her previous restraint and submissiveness. By her repentance and her resolution she felt herself freed from the burden of her fault and her misfortune. She had no more violence to do to herself. In the bottom of her heart she had forgiven herself solely under condition of the fullest renunciation, and it was a condition which would remain binding for all time to come. So passed away some time, and Charlotte now felt how deeply house and park and lake and rocks and trees served to keep alive in them all their most painful reminiscences. They wanted change of scene, both of them. It was plain enough. But how it was to be effected was not so easy to decide. Were the two ladies to remain together? Edward's previously expressed will appeared to enjoin it. His declarations and his threats appeared to make it necessary. Only it could not be now mistaken that Charlotte and Ottilie, with all their good will, with all their sense, with all their efforts to conceal it, could not avoid finding themselves in a painful situation towards one another. In their conversation there was a constant endeavour to avoid doubtful subjects. They were often obliged only half to understand some allusion. More often expressions were misinterpreted, if not by their understandings, at any rate by their feelings. They were afraid to give pain to one another, and this very fear itself produced the evil which they were seeking to avoid. If they were to try change of scene, and at the same time, at any rate for a while, to part, the old question came up again, where Ottilie was to go. There was a grand rich family who still wanted a desirable companion for their daughter, the attempts to find a person whom they could trust having hitherto proved ineffectual. The last time the baroness had been at the castle, she had urged Charlotte to send Ottilie there, and she had been lately pressing it again and again in her letters. Charlotte now a second time proposed it, but Ottilie expressly declined going anywhere, 
where she would be thrown into what is called the great world do not think me foolish or self-willed my dear aunt she said i had better tell you what i feel for fear you should judge hardly of me although in any other case it would be my duty to be silent a person who has fallen into uncommon misfortunes however guiltless he may be carries a frightful mark upon him his presence in every one who sees him and is aware of his history excites a kind of horror people see in him the terrible fate which has been laid upon him and he is the object of a diseased and nervous curiosity it is so with a house it is so with a town where any terrible action has been done people enter them with awe the light of day shines less brightly there and the stars seem to lose their lustre perhaps we ought to excuse it but how extreme is the indiscretion with which people behave towards such unfortunates with their foolish importunities and awkward kindness you must forgive me for speaking in this way but that poor girl whom luciana tempted out of her retirement and with such mistaken good-nature tried to force into society and amusement has haunted me and made me miserable the poor creature when she was so frightened and tried to escape and then sank and swooned away and i caught her in my arms and the party came all crowding round in terror and curiosity little did i think then that the same fate was in store for me but my feeling for her is as deep and warm and fresh as ever it was and now i may direct my compassion upon myself and secure myself from being the object of any similar exposure but my dear child answered charlotte you will never be able to withdraw yourself where no one can see you we have no cloisters now otherwise there with your present feelings would be your resource solitude would not give me the resource for which i wish my dear aunt answered ottilie the one true and valuable resource is to be looked for where we can be active and useful all the self-denials and all the penances on earth will fail to deliver us from an evil omen destiny if it be determined to persecute us let me sit still in idleness and serve as a spectacle for the world and it will overpower me and crush me but find me some peaceful employment where i can go steadily and unweariedly on doing my duty and i shall be able to bear the eyes of men when i need not shrink under the eyes of god unless i am much mistaken replied charlotte your inclination is to return to the school yes ottilie answered i do not deny it i think it a happy destination to train up others in the beaten way after having been trained in the strangest myself and do we not see the same great fact in history some moral calamity drives men out into the wilderness but they are not allowed to remain as they had hoped in their concealment there they are summoned back into the world to lead the wanderers into the right way and who are fitter for such a service than those who have been initiated into the labyrinths of life they are commanded to be the support of the unfortunate and who can better fulfil that command than those who have no more misfortunes to fear upon earth you are selecting an uncommon profession for yourself replied charlotte i shall not oppose you however let it be as you wish only i hope it will be but for a short time most warmly i thank you said ottilie for giving me leave at least to try to make the experiment if i am not flattering myself too highly i am sure i shall succeed wherever i am i shall remember the many trials which i went through myself and how small how infinitely small they were compared to those which i afterwards had to undergo it will be my happiness to watch the embarrassments of the little creatures as they grow to cheer them in their childish sorrows and guide them back with a light hand out of their little aberrations the fortunate is not the person to be of help to the fortunate it is in the nature of man to require ever more and more of himself and others the more he has received the unfortunate who has himself recovered knows best how to nourish in himself and them the feeling that every moderate good ought to be enjoyed with rapture i have but one objection to make to what you propose said charlotte after some thought although that one seems to me of great importance 
I am not thinking of you, but of another person. You are aware of the feelings towards you of that good, right-minded, excellent assistant. In the way in which you desire to proceed, you will become every day more valuable and more indispensable to him. Already he himself believes that he can never live happily without you, and hereafter, when he has become accustomed to have you to work with him, he will be unable to carry on his business if he loses you. You will have assisted him at the beginning, only to injure him in the end. Destiny has not dealt with me with too gentle a hand, replied Ottilie, and whoever loves me has perhaps not much better to expect. Our friend is so good and so sensible that I hope he will be able to reconcile himself to remaining in a simple relation with me. He will learn to see in me a consecrated person lying under the shadow of an awful calamity, and only able to support herself and bear up against it by devoting herself to that holy being who is invisibly around us, and alone is able to shield us from the dark powers which threaten to overwhelm us. All this, which the dear girl poured out so warmly, Charlotte privately reflected over. On many different occasions, although only in the gentlest manner, she had hinted at the possibility of Ottilie's being brought again in contact with Edward. But the slightest mention of it, the faintest hope, the least suspicion, seemed to wound Ottilie to the quick. One day, when she could not evade it, she expressed herself to Charlotte clearly and peremptorily on the subject. If your resolution to renounce Edward, returned Charlotte, is so firm and unalterable, then you had better avoid the danger of seeing him again. At a distance from the object of our love, the warmer our affection, the stronger is the control which we fancy that we can exercise on ourselves, because the whole force of the passion, diverted from its outward objects, turns inwards on ourselves. But how soon, how swiftly is our mistake made clear to us, when the thing which we thought that we could renounce, stands again before our eyes as indispensable to us. You must now do what you consider best suited to your circumstances. Look well into yourself, change, if you prefer it, the resolution which you have just expressed, but do it of yourself, with a free consenting heart. Do not allow yourself to be drawn in by an accident. Do not let yourself be surprised into your former position. It will place you at issue with yourself, and will be intolerable to you. As I said, before you take this step, before you remove from me and enter upon a new life, which will lead you no one knows in what direction, Consider once more whether really, indeed, you can renounce Edward for the whole time to come. If you have faithfully made up your mind that you will do this, then will you enter into an engagement with me, that you will never admit him into your presence, and if he seeks you out and forces himself upon you, that you will not exchange words with him? Ottilie did not hesitate a moment. She gave Charlotte the promise, which she had already made to herself. Now, however, Charlotte began to be haunted with Edward's threat, that he would only consent to renounce Ottilie, as long as she was not parted from Charlotte. Since that time, indeed, circumstances were so altered, so many things had happened, that an engagement which was wrung from him in a moment of excitement might well be supposed to have been cancelled. She was unwilling, however, in the remotest sense, to venture anything or to undertake anything which might displease him, and Mittler was therefore to find Edward and inquire what, as things now were, he wished to be done. Since the death of the child, Mittler had often been at the castle to see Charlotte, although only for a few moments at a time. The unhappy accident which had made her reconciliation with her husband in the highest degree improbable had produced a most painful effect upon him. But ever as his nature was, hoping and striving, he rejoiced secretly at the resolution of Ottilie. He trusted to the softening influence of passing time. He hoped that it might still be possible to keep the husband and the wife from separating, and he tried to regard these convulsions of passion only as trials of wedded love and fidelity. Charlotte at the very first had informed the Major by letter of Ottilie's declaration. She had entreated him most earnestly to prevail on Edward to take no further steps for the present. 
they should keep quiet and wait and see whether the poor girl's spirits would recover she had let him know from time to time whatever was necessary of what had more lately fallen from her and now mittler had to undertake the really difficult commission of preparing edward for an alteration in her situation mittler however well knowing that men can be brought more easily to submit to what is already done than to give their consent to what is yet to be done persuaded charlotte that it would be better to send ottilie off at once to the school consequently as soon as mittler was gone preparations were at once made for the journey ottilie put her things together and charlotte observed that neither the beautiful box nor anything out of it was to go with her ottilie had said nothing to her on the subject and she took no notice but let her alone the day of the departure came charlotte's carriage was to take ottilie the first day as far as a place where they were well known where she was to pass the night and on the second she would go on in it to the school it was settled that nanny was to accompany her and remain as her attendant this capricious little creature had found her way back to her mistress after the death of the child and now hung about her as warmly and passionately as ever indeed she seemed with her loquacity and attentiveness as if she wished to make good her past neglect and henceforth devote herself entirely to ottilie's service she was quite beside herself now for joy at the thought of travelling with her and of seeing strange places when she had hitherto never been away from the scene of her birth and she ran from the castle to the village to carry the news of her good fortune to her parents and her relations and to take leave unluckily for herself she went among other places into a room where a person was who had the measles and caught the infection which came out upon her at once the journey could not be postponed ottilie herself was urgent to go she had travelled once already the same road she knew the people of the hotel where she was to sleep the coachman from the castle was going with her there could be nothing to fear charlotte made no opposition she too in thought was making haste to be clear of present embarrassments the rooms which ottilie had occupied at the castle she would have prepared for edward as soon as possible and restored to the old state in which they had been before the arrival of the captain the hope of bringing back old happy days burns up again and again in us as if it never could be extinguished and charlotte was quite right there was nothing else for her except to hope as she did End of chapter fifteen